With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Wholesale Sourcing Experts podcast. I'm Charlene Anderson, your host, and we are doing episode 13 hard to believe, but we're on 13 already, and we have a very special guest. We have a new member to the Wholesale Sourcing Experts group who also happens to have a long history in brick-and-mortar retail and in something that really excites me, being a sales rep. So welcome to Carrie Jackson. Hey, Carrie, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Great. I was so excited to hear that you had all this sales rep experience because it's something we don't know a lot about. And so now we got somebody who can ask all those those um those questions, you know, that we always wanted to know behind the scenes stuff. So tell us a little bit about you, where you're from and what you've done. Um, I live in Salt Lake City and I have uh in my past life owned six different retail stores and I while doing that I was also repping uh greeting cards, gifts, um just, I've also repped pharmaceuticals, but that's probably outside of our realm of interest. But, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, and I uh, traveled the Intermountain West. Uh, Jackson was part of my territory at one time. All of Utah, some of Idaho. Um, so we call ourselves road warriors because we're out on the roads all the time traveling around to different locations. Yeah, and it's, it's tough because you have to have samples in your car and all that kind of stuff too, right? Yes, it's a very, it's actually, I, I consider it a very difficult job. And uh, maybe some of you don't realize that when, but, but most reps are independent contractors, so they work completely on commission. So it's, you know, you, and, and they also pay their own expenses. So I've many times had to drive hundreds of miles to see a customer and I really as a rep really wanted to make sure that was worthwhile. Yeah, and and I'm sure it took a lot of planning to just get your your road trip scheduled so you didn't waste gas or nights away from home and all of that kind of stuff. Definitely. So I've driven, details, oh, go ahead. I, I've driven back and forth from Jackson to Salt Lake in one day many times. Okay, and I see, I think you're crazy, but I understand it is doable because I did it, what, three weeks ago in the middle of the night. Well, my next door neighbor drew, but yeah, drew, we were home in like 14 hours, and that included three hours in the emergency room there. So um, it is doable, but in the winter, I can't imagine trying it in the winter. Summer, yeah, winter now. So. It's a very expensive place to spend the night. That is true. In the summer, Motel 6 becomes like Motel 600. I mean, that's kind of an exaggeration, but, you know, you can't find anything for under a couple hundred dollars a night in the summer here. You know, it's 
and we're not talking fancy schmancy. We're talking just um, well, we now have a Hampton Inn, so I think the Hampton Inn is like two fifty a night um, in the summer, maybe a little more, you know, depending. And we were busy this summer. Gosh, we have had a huge influx of Chinese tourists um, come to Jackson. Um, both in tour groups and individually. And the irony of it is, is about 10 years ago, they built a town somewhere in China in, the, in a mountainous area called Jackson Hole. And they made, the houses are log cabins, and it's all this like fake Western rustic thing. Jackson Hole, China. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so. So anyway, so, um, so as a rep, um, your job is to sell stuff to us, meaning retail people, or people who are buying to sell retail. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And, and um, you said you work on commission. So how did you balance the needing to sell lots of stuff to your customers and doing the right thing for your customers? I bet that was a fine line, wasn't it? Well, definitely so. And I was, I was very careful about that. I know some reps aren't. But uh, and and you can't really prejudge a customer. There could be, you know, you might have a preconceived idea of how much they can sell, and it might be a lot more. But uh, I sure didn't want to overload my customers because I wanted to be able to walk into their stores again with, you know, maybe some new line or to reorder or something without them being angry with me because that that would happen quite a bit. If, people bought something that, that didn't sell, then they would kind of take it out on me. So I tried to be careful about that. Yeah, and um, I, have, I have two sales reps that I work with for two different companies. And this is, I'll give you some of my perspective, and then you can tell me about it from a sales rep's perspective. One is absolutely incredible. And she, they never come visit me because they really don't need to. You know, it would be nice, but it's kind of, it, I understand. Um, so I just email her my orders and my reorders. It's a, um, a media company, so they sell books and DVDs and stuff like that. But she is so on the ball about if I get DVDs that are loose in the case, I don't accept them, you know, because you can't sell those because they get scratched up banging around in the case. Um, and she is, like, really quick to uh, issue the credits, and, um, you know, she, her emails are always cheery and all that. And I've met her at a trade show, so I kind of know. And she lives in Colorado, so she understands the, the Rocky Mountain West kind of thing. Then I have another one who is a gentleman um, who just does not get it. Um, he works – he doesn't do um, – he's not a road warrior like you were. He just works in, in the office and factory, and he goes to trade shows – but he's clueless about his customers, even though I flat out tell him, no, I can't sell $1.99 packets of beads. So, you know, when I go to a trade show, TJ, and you pushing me to look at all these beads, it's pointless. And I'll sit there and tell him, I can't do this. I, you know, I need I'm different, a different reality selling on Amazon. And I've, I've explained to him probably at six different shows what it is that works for me, and he still doesn't get it. And it's like, is that because he's a guy or he's just not a responsive rep? You know, I don't know. So um, so it, it's a case of, I think, if you find a good rep like this one I have for the mini company, gosh, they're worth their weight in gold, aren't they? They are. And, and also a good rep will pass along 
company specials to you and let you know, oh, you're at this, you know, you, maybe you've written a $5,000 order. If you write 1000 more, you get free freight or something like that. Um, but there are a lot of lazy reps out there who just who just don't do what they're supposed to do. And you're right, a good sales rep is worth their weight in gold. Because she's even had the ability, um, with mo- I found with most media companies for DVDs and books, it's a flat percentage off and they pay freight. And after your initial order, there's no minimum. So I can order three DVDs if I want, you know, and it's still um, that X percentage off um, and I don't have to pay any shipping so I can order the small amount. But she has been, I guess because we've, we've had such a good working relationship, um, is she says she has a little bit of leeway um, in her discounting, and she can go from 48 to 52. That's her um, leeway with the company. And she's been able to bump me. I was at 50 because I have a, uh, an account where I don't, return stuff. A lot of media companies will accept returns on stuff that doesn't sell. Um, and in, for that privilege, you get a lower discount. Um, for me, um, I know it sells because pretty much all these DVDs sell on Amazon. And so she, I had 50. Well, she's a, she bumped it up to 52. And 2% doesn't sound like a lot, but it's 2%. Off, you know, that's like found the money, right? Right. It can add up. Do lots of reps have those kind of or um, ability to, to I don't want to say manipulate pricing, but do things with pricing for good customers? That, it depends a lot on the company that they're representing, but almost every company has some sort of special pricing at different times during the year or sometimes once a month. And so... You know, if you have a rep that's on the ball, then uh, that person will be able to pass it on to you. But it, it, it really does depend on the company that they're representing. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's a totally it could be different with whoever it is. You know. Yes, and there are some reps out there, especially gift reps, who may have one maybe a hundred or more lines in their package. In other words, they could you could spend all day looking at their 100 line product lines and I will say it's very difficult to keep up on everything that's going on with every single company so um, that can kind of be overwhelming for the sales rep at times so is that is it more common to have a rep that reps multiple lines than it is one who just works for the company um, that really that just depends as well it, uh, if you're a small company, you might want to be uh, joined up in a with the sales rep package so that you're not you don't get lost in the shuffle. Hopefully, you don't get lost in the shuffle. But as companies grow, sometimes they branch out and have their own sales force. Or, um, it, 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 but it, it it just depends on the company. Sometimes. They're working directly for the company, but a lot of times, especially people who are on the road or people you meet at trade shows that are in showrooms with lots of different products, those people have a lot of different lines to to worry about all the time. 
Okay, that makes sense from what I just experienced. Um, I was I went to the TNNA show this last summer, um, which is the National Needlework Association. So it's it's yarny things and thread things and all that. And um, they had a bulletin board, um, kind of a message board, um, outside the the show floor, and it had reps wanted and reps available on it. And so yes, I'm sure smaller yarn companies, if they were looking for a rep in a certain area, they would post something. And then there were other uh, reps available saying, you know, I rep Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, Montana. You know, you need me, you know, whatever. So that makes perfect sense then. So explains a lot. Um, as a rep, what, what about us uh, buyers do you hate to see us do? What mistakes do we make in dealing with our reps? Well, one of the things that was always hard for me is if I made an appointment with, with someone and then they, I would maybe get to their place of business and they wouldn't be there. Ooh. Yeah. That's that, bad. That's, that's bad no matter rep or not, you know? <laughs> it, it, but it, it, hap, it does happen. And I understand that people who own stores – and businesses are busy and things come up and so forth, but it, that does happen quite a bit. Also, um, one thing I always really didn't like as a rep were catalog collectors. So people that would just, you know, come in the showroom and just want a catalog from every company. And you, you can always see them at trade shows. They always have like the rolling bags or, or big suitcases and then so you give them the catalog, which they're not cheap to produce, and uh, then you never hear from them again. Or they order directly from the company while you know, you've know taken the trouble to get to the trade show. And usually reps at trade shows are paying their own expenses at those as well. So they're missing out on all the road time that they would have you know, to sell mm-hmm. at the showroom or at a trade show, maybe trying to make new contacts or write, at, and of course, write orders. So people who collect catalogs might go home and then order directly from the company, and then the reps' efforts are, you know, they don't they don't earn any money if the person works directly with the company. They bypass them, thinking they're going to save money. Would they or would their price be the same whether they ordered it from you or direct from the company? In most cases, it would be the same. Yeah, that's and that's what I found too. And I kind of, I love working with the one rep that's so good because she's like my, she runs interference for me. You know, I don't have to um, do all the little nitty gritty stuff whereas if I order from them directly, you know. I just send her an email of the product numbers and how many, and she handles everything else, which, you know, including the returns and all that. So that makes it really well, nice. Now now that I'm on the other side of the fence again, where I'm not a rep anymore, I, I currently in my business have reps where I will tell them, uh, it, well, it's time to write an order, and, you know, they do it twice a year or something like that, and they'll just call me and say, how much do you want to spend? And I'll say $10,000, and then they'll say, uh, then they'll just build the order for me, and then when I get it, it's like Christmas. I don't know what's in there. <laughs> because they know what their best sellers are. They're, you're using their knowledge about their best sellers. Exactly. 
And then I don't have to plod through the catalog and figure out what sizes I wanted, this or that. And uh, I mean, you have, there has to be a lot of trust there. But um, but I do have some reps that are like that that are really good and that save me a lot of time. That's what the rep is supposed to do: is save you time. And if you're finding that working with a rep is just taking you longer, then perhaps it's time to move on to just work directly with with the company if you can. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and maybe have a little discussion with the rep before you do that, saying here's kind of some of the issues I'm having. What can we do to work these out? And then if they don't get worked out, um, then you can say sorry. You know, it's like you get it's kind of like you get one chance or a chance to fix this first. You know. Um, yeah, that that would be very nice of you to do that. <laughs> the, no, other yeah. about, <laughs> the other thing about the other thing about the other thing about reps too is there it's ex, there's extremely high turnover, and I've noticed that um, since I've just been doing Amazon lately out of my warehouse that uh, I'll get emails all the time. Oh, your rep for one coast has changed, or your rep from this has changed. It's because it's such a hard business. Um, people sometimes don't last. And it's kind of always like hard to train in Amazon rep. selling, you know. It's not, it looks easy on the outside. Oh, I just drive to the store and take their orders and I'm done, you know. looks easy on the outside when you realize all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes not so easy, you know. Yep. And, it, and it's hard to, um, most reps work with mom and pop businesses. It's, you know, as a rep, I wouldn't be going to sell to Target. That's a, somebody, that's a, national accounts rep would be selling to, to that. So you, you, as a rep, you're going mostly to mom and pop stores, which are usually people that are, in my experience, usually struggling. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, there'll be some really great place, maybe it has a really wonderful tourist uh, attraction or whatever, but um, there's a lot of sad stories out there about people in, in on, you know, in the, in the gift world or, you know, mom and pop shops that are really struggling. So Yeah. Yeah. And like they call them here, they used to call them rubber tomahawk shops. You know, you know yeah. exactly what I mean, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the little touristy stuff, you know? Yeah. It's it's uh and it's it's got to be um a hugely changing world for sales reps too with so many online sellers. Did you have to deal with any of those, or? Um, yes, I did, and I, I personally, as a rep, always loved online sellers because they usually buy a lot, and so yeah, you know, then you you're actually earning a living. There are some companies out there that you know don't want to sell to uh, people who sell online. That's in my in my opinion, that's changing a lot. When I go to trade shows. I don't quietly say, oh, you know, I, I sell online. I, I proudly say that. And uh, maybe I don't mention Amazon first, but um, I, I always want to check out whether they're, they have the ability to sell to me online. If they don't, then I just move on. I, it's not a fight I'm wanting to fight. Yeah, it has to be a big... A big um upside like it has to be the killer product of the season or whatever to put up a huge thing i i have found a few that i'm willing to 
convince them that it's good to sell online. In fact, my biggest selling product was that way. Um, and she, it was from her. She was a new manufacturer, and she makes a very small line, four products in her line. But, you know, they sell really well. Um, it, for her, it was just lack of knowledge, you know, yes. about what it was like and what would happen. And the fact that, you know, uh, my big thing is I want to protect your brand as much as you do because I don't want to be selling CRAP, you know. Um, so so if you get that gut feeling that the product's going to be a winner, it may just take education, you know, um, especially if they're new manufacturer, new in business, or if they've been around forever. There's also that one that we don't want to change because we've been this way forever, you know, and we're not going to change anything. So what is it we as, besides collecting catalogs, is not a good thing, and I don't like to do it just because I don't want to waste paper. If it's something I have no interest in ever carrying or selling, I'm not going to ask for a catalog. And I found I don't want to. I don't want to carry it around uh, the show uh, around the trade show all day. It's exhausting. No kidding. Yeah. And I, but I've had some people at trade shows when I look at the product and I look at the price points, and you know, I'll I'll politely say it's just not really going to work for us. They, like, insist I take the catalog, you know. It's like, no, I don't want to waste your money in printing the catalog because I'm not going to buy your stuff, you know. But I think they're thinking, well, if you have it, maybe you'll change your mind. So, you know, it's like, no, when your margin, your discount's only 10%, I really can't be doing that one, you know. Um, yeah. I, I found a lot of that, in, especially in the, um, in the craft field, if you have a husband and wife manufacturing team, so and this is one case where it was um, uh, frames for embroidery for needlepoint, where you a stretcher thingy where you put your needlepoint on this, and they were really beautiful. And the husband made them because the wife designed them, you know, so it was a team. But they were only offering 10% off retail to to their you know customers. And you know, I tried to explain to them that a store can't—that's not even covering your overhead, you know. Yeah. Well, I think in, uh, I think a lot of people who maybe are new manufacturers or new to trade shows, new to selling, don't really understand things. And I find myself educating manufacturers all the time about um, what I do, and they just sometimes they think it's really brilliant. Like, oh my gosh, I had no idea this was even happening. And so there's a lot of a, a lot of ignorance out there, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but just about what it's really, what the world of commerce is re- is really all about now. Yeah, and it's, and I personally, I'd rather educate them so they do it my way than somebody yeah, else's way. I agree. Way, you know, <laughs> it's like let's train them that this is the way you should do it. Um, and I don't want to say my way is the right way all the time, but my way is the right way for me. So you know. Um, so there's that whole thing, but it is an interesting time to be in business. Um, it's 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 changing so fast, but the other side of the coin is the business basics are still there, right? I mean, sure, we we may see them differently, but um, but it's buy a product that will sell, sell it for enough money, and do it again. You know, that's kind of business, and how you get to those points is different, but the basic, and treat your customers well, too. You know, that's another one that people sometimes forget that, that you have to treat your customers well. And I, I kind of look at it the other way, too. Um, I try to be really, really, really nice 
to my reps and, and to the people I deal with it if I deal directly with the company, if they don't have reps that you just order from them. Because I have found like just, just being nice and asking about family or remembering something or whatever that is, it goes a long way when there's a problem or an issue, you know? Yes, it really does. And um, reps really appreciate people who are kind to them and respectful and, and treat them well. And as a rep, I would be, if I had a hot new product, those are the first people I'd show it to. I'd want to Bingo. give those people that are, that are good to me the opportunity to get the good things first. Uh, that's exactly what I was going for, exactly. Because I have a company, they don't have reps, but there's one person in the office that I deal with all the time. Never met her. I very seldom talk to her on the phone because I just email questions, whatever. Ron deals with her on the phone, and so she's really, really nice, which is obvious from her emails. But they got a hot new product in that was like the killer thing. And there, we knew there was a limited quantity. They were the only U.S. distributor of this product. In fact, the only worldwide distributor, I think. And they had a limited number. And I know I'm not their biggest seller by a long shot. I know who their biggest seller is. But she sent me an email and said, you know, we're getting this XYZ product in two sizes. If you get back to me fast, I can hold probably as many as you want. You know, and it's like, so I, um, I got 20 of each because they sell for over $100 each. So I just like couldn't go too deep. I got 20 of each. And she said, we're not going to get them in before Christmas. Again, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, and I know the big boys probably bought, you know, thousands, but that's okay. Um, those things sold out so fast that I had them like in stock a month and I was selling them for triple the price because people would say, well, on so-and-so website, it shows it for a lot less than yours. And I knew that those websites didn't have any in stock. So, uh-huh. like, so I said, okay, go ahead and buy it from so-and-so. And then they would go try to buy it and then all, it wouldn't be in stock because I, I knew how many of these there were in the world, you know. And it was because I built a nice relationship with Kim. Her name's Kim. And, um, and she was able to put me to the front of the line. Well, not you know, the front, probably second or third in line, you know, for these things. Um, and she said, as soon as any more leave, um, they, they're made in India. They leave India, I'll let you know, and that will give you like a month's head start to put together your numbers because it takes about a month to get them here and through processing and all that. So. So it, it does help, you know, and that's where I think we as small businesses have an advantage because we can build those relationships, don't you think? I do. I do. I mean, I can remember, you know, your dog's name or whatever and, and you know, little things that mean a lot to people that shows, you know, you've paid attention to them. Yes. Definitely. And, and, you know, if you're, uh, like, for instance, for me, I had one line that I repped for 13 years, and the people who sold that line, I mean, I became really good friends with them and, uh, you know, knew about bad things that happened to them and good things that happened to them, and I would, I would send them cards and give them gifts at Christmas, just like, thank you for your business, and, uh, and that goes a long way definitely and it's also really nice to not have 
crabby customers. It sounds like you're very easy to work with, and I, I would really appreciate that as a rep as well. I'm easy to work with if you're easy to work with. I'm kind of, you, you put out and I give back what you put out, you know. Um, and I'm also, I'm, I'm really upfront about my expectations um, and what I expect from you. And is that a problem? Can you do that? You know, and I think, I think it's worse when you don't know, you know. Sure. So, you may not, you know, if I tell you as, and I'm going to use reps in general because most of my dealings are with people who work for the company, you know, and they, I never see them. Um, if I tell you that, um, that I want three of every new DVD that you guys release, um, I would, you know, expect you to say, yes, I can do that, or no, I can't. I don't want any wishy-washy stuff, or or I'll find out if we can set up something like that, you know. Um, to me, if I was a rep, I'd love that, because then whenever I get new product notifications, I ship through to you, you know. I mean, um, but I have found that, that there is an interesting thing that some people don't want to, um, I don't say they don't want to listen. They don't want to be proactive in dealing with their customers, and I think that hurts both sides, you know. Um, if if I was a rep, I would want people to like tell me, send me three of everything new you get in. You know, geez, that's well, kind that, of like no brainer. Be, yeah, you would be a dream customer. It's the people that, you know, you might, uh, it, it might take them. You might sit there with them for an hour to pound out an hundred dollar order. Those kinds of things are torture. If you can have have a relationship with a rep where it's that simple, then. I'm, I'm sure you would be on the top of the list of people that are easy to work with. I try because I know it's a I know what it's like to work with grouchy people, and I hate it. So I try not to be that grouchy person. Um, so Deborah has a question. Um, so she, she knows building a relationship with a rep is really important. What if the rep moves? Do they tell you they're moving, or what does a rep do in that case? Like, or if they're not carrying that particular line of gift products, let's say. Um, usually, if you've already ordered that product, you'll get an email from one of two places. One directly from the company saying that there's this, you know, that they have a new representative, or for or if the rep works for a showroom, then the showroom will typically um, call you and tell you, or email you and tell you that the person has left. I mean, if you have a good rep, the rep's going to tell you, hey, I'm moving and um, and or I've lost this line. That happens a lot too, where um, at, especially at the end of the year, uh, different companies will go, will decide, oh, this isn't a good rep for me. I didn't make enough money with them, so they'll change rep groups and mm -hmm. kind of chase down the person who's now selling the product. So is there any sort of... Um Ethics. So say you're a rep who sells vases, or the line you're selling to Deborah's company are vases, decorative vases. And you, move, you lose that line and you pick up another line that's also decorative vases. There's no like conflict of interest in ordering both, is there? I mean, from that rep and from the new rep? No, not at all. Unless you have some kind of exclusive or something, I, I don't think there's, I mean, it's a 
it's a free for all out there. You just um, and there's a lot of Me Too companies, so their products look virtually the same, and and that's happened to me uh, many times where I lost a line, but then got something very similar, and my customers just um, change over. Because for a lot of gift items, it's the look, not the brand name, right? When people are looking for something, they're not searching for a brand; they're yeah. looking for a particular look or something. So, right. So and, if, yeah, and if your if your rep is good, you're willing to um, make that change because it might be harder to chase down the 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 new rep and try to work out a relationship with them when if the product is close, then there's you might want to just continue working with the rep you have a good relationship with. And that's what Deborah just posted in the chat room. She she says, I'd be very likely to move with the rep that I had a good relationship with. I'm very resistant to change. And I think if they're a good rep, like if mine ever left this media company, I'd go see what she was doing because she knows how to treat customers. You know, um, she um, she understands what it's like to be on the retailer side of it too, um, which is important. You know, um, you obviously know that because you've owned the retail stores. So I think that probably gave you an advantage too um, when dealing with other people. You know. Yes, and what I found, frankly, in my retail businesses is that most reps are terrible, and it, so I found myself a lot of times just working directly with the company rather than try to chase down this person who was elusive. And then the thing, thing about that is the those sales reps are self-employed, just like we all are. And there are some people who are really disciplined about being self-employed. You know, I get up every morning and go to my warehouse and I do not miss a day. And uh, But there are some people who think, oh, I'm self-employed. That means I don't have to get up till 11 and, you know, go put in a couple hours and then come home. So, and, yeah, right. and, reps, and, those, and reps are that way too. Or they might get some, a couple of really good customers that basically make it so they can make a living and they don't branch out from there. So sometimes you're actually... You, you lose one of those customers and all of a sudden you're in a world of hurt, you know? Yep. Um, I have a, an example of... I think a good example, my sister, uh, my twin sister, who also just joined the group, but she hasn't got her welcome message or anything yet, but she... Okay, uh, uh, let me just back up. I saw somebody who joined who was friends with you, and I wondered who it was, and so I sent the welcome last night. So that's your twin sister. That's my twin sister. We we sort of of followed each other along. She, uh, She was selling pharmaceuticals, and she got me, me a job selling pharmaceuticals, but we've never lived in the same place. But we've very often sold the same products, and now she sells on Amazon and eBay as well. But uh, she has a particular product that she sells that's a little bit obscure, and but she does really well with it, and she has a good relationship with the person at the, uh, at the company, and that person will call her all the time and say, hey, we have a special on this, or this just went down to 50% off. Do you want some of these? And so she's been able to get some really good deals that help her maintain great margins because she's 
you know, ordered consistently every year with them. She sees them at market every year to go through all the products and so they can show her what's good and what isn't. And then she gets a chance. I, I'm sure she's one of the top people that they call to let her know about specials. And she's easy to work with and doesn't complain. And so, you know, she gets those little perks. Good for her. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I thought, because, you know, I, I thought that was a coincidence that you were the only person we had in common. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we each we had uh, each other in our uh, profile picture. So we had yeah. probably 200 pictures on the, in the group, but anyway. Okay, so back to your story. I'm done. Oh, okay. Okay, just the, the fact that she's easy also, that she's got that, that thing where she's going to get advantages, you know. And I don't think, I don't want people to believe that being easy to work with means you'll just let the rep do anything or you won't complain if there's a problem. But there's a nice way to do it and there's a nasty way to do it, you know. Definitely. I mean, I had a big mix-up in these DVD orders, and I just sent Megan an email. I said, Megan, we got a little problem, you know, and explained what the problem was. And I said, what can we do to fix it? I wasn't like, dang you, Megan, you have just screwed up all this stuff, you know. <laughs> For one thing, she doesn't ship the stuff herself, so it's not like she sent the boxes to the wrong place. They UPS a whole order to my P.O. box. And it's a big company. What kind of fulfillment center does that, you know? Um, but, you know, I said, what can we do to fix it? Well, she got the, the intercepts done so then they could re-deliver the stuff. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't, you don't address issues. It means oh, you don't no, have I to would, be a jerk, you know? Yeah, you don't, I, you don't roll over for the rep, but you just, you know, uh, and because – I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, for instance, my sister's, this company my sister works with, if there was anything wrong, they would immediately fix it for her. And that's, that's the rep's job as well, you know, to, to try to fix things. Right, and it means you only have to deal with one person, meaning the rep, as opposed to going through maybe three different people at the company, you know? Correct, yeah. And and probably I would have never found someone that could have intercepted the packages and got them to me instead of being sent back to them, you know. So so it is. And I think there is – people have become very short-tempered, you know, in, in the past 15, 20 years. At least it, it appears that way to me. People seem less willing to be nice about everything, so I think just being a good morning, how are you person, and so instead of, you know, sending me, I need this, you know, I'll always say, good morning, Megan, how are things in Colorado, you know, or something like that um, is, um, is going to go a long way, you know. Um, it's a simple thing, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's, it'll stand out more and more as, as the world becomes less and less tolerant of everything. I mean... You remember the days where, you know, we waited two weeks for an order to come in, and now if we don't have it in two days, we're all over everything. You know, the speed of things has made us much more impatient as as a, um, as a world. Yeah, and Ed says, I need it, need it now, and you know, Deborah, we're all losing patience. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, you know, I don't want to blame it on technology. I just think 
is a factor in it, you know. Um, God, remember when we used to have to go to the library to actually research something. Now we've got, you know, the world's libraries at our fingertips, you know. We can, we can find out anything. So having to wait a minute or two to get an answer becomes exponentially more difficult, you know. And we as online sellers now have pressure put on us by Amazon you know, get it there fast, meet these deadlines, you've got to answer your emails in 24 hours, all of those things, you know, um, puts a different kind of pressure on us too. So kind of the big motto is be nice and you'll probably get more, you know, is that you'll know, track like things with sugar, not vinegar, like more flies of sugar, not vinegar, something like that. So, so yeah, one of the I things I have, go ahead. Can I just add one thing? Um, yeah. One of the things I was going to say too is when you, when you go to a trade show, and especially if you're in a in a big showroom that has a lot of different lines, sometimes the people that are helping don't even work for the company. They might be uh, temporary help just for the show. Be sure to always ask if your rep is in um, is there, and also always get your rep's card. If they're not, if they haven't attended the Atlanta show or or whatever, because it's a long way to go and it's expensive, just always try to find out who they are, so that once you do get home, you can connect with them and see if they can be helpful. Okay, so people working, especially in a big showroom like um, Dallas or Atlanta, America's Mart, or even Denver, whatever, they may just be temporary employees hired for that showroom period. Correct. Correct. Okay. In in another world, my my mom and dad made uh, nuts and bolts for the aircraft industry. And believe it or not, they did trade shows back when I was a little kid. Um, and they they my mom used to always call them booth babes, the ones that they hired to get the men to come to, into the booth, you know, to uh, look around booth babes. And they kind of look like all the the women on Mad Men because this was in the '60s, so you know they had the same dress and everything. So. So it's a little, as, still a little bit that way. They're always cute girls, so that are hired for temporary. So just, just, just know that those people won't know anything they're talking about. Every question you ask them, they're going to have to go ask somebody else. So try to work mm-hmm. with somebody who is actually a person with the company. Okay, good, good advice. Um, I'm thinking at the craft and hobby association shows and the very female oriented shows, they need to get cute guys in the booth. But you know, um, that doesn't seem to have um, have hit the market there yet. So, um, so I have a question about us as online sellers. We don't have brick and mortar stores for the most part. Um, how how do we get reps to come bring us stuff to look at? You know, say you're you're selling a line of you, your main thing is housewares or giftware. Um, how do you get reps to come to you even if you don't have a brick and mortar store? Make an appointment. Have them. So you just ask them. Yes, and and of course, um, you don't want to waste their time. So if they're willing to come to your home or your warehouse or wherever you you know do your um, ordering, then yeah, just see if, just make an appointment, and they should show up on time and and be willing to help you. Uh, of course, make sure that whatever it is that you're wanting to order is available to sell online. That's mm-hmm. always the question. 
can I so, sell this online? Do all that legwork before you ask them to come discuss ordering. Definitely. Okay. Because they're, okay. they're, they're still out there. People, those, um, those companies that don't want to sell online. I think it's nuts, but um, you know, they're, they, they somehow think they're protecting their brand that way. I I talked about this in a probably one of the first podcasts about I went to the TNA trade show and found this great product line um, and I ordered it and the day it arrived and it was not on Amazon but I told her I was an online seller on Amazon and all this the day it arrived um, she sent out an email to everybody who had been in her booth at the show saying that we don't allow Amazon and eBay sales. So I wrote her back and saying, great, I've got $1,000 worth of your product sitting right here. Do you want to give me a credit and send it back, send a call tag for it? Well, no, 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 we'll just let you sell this out and be done. And so I had to make all the listings for it. Fortunately, they could be variation listings, so it wasn't as difficult. Um, there was like 10 products total. Um, and I sold all, out of that stuff within like two weeks. And I was... It, her retail price on most of it was forty dollars, and so I sold it FBA for forty four ninety nine. They're about four inches by four inches and weigh like six ounces, so easy, light, you know, decent price. Um, and so I, you know, I wrote her and saying, said, you know, Pam, the stuff did really well. Here's a link to the listing so you can see how I presented your brand in a really positive way on Amazon. You know, my price is more expensive than yours, not less. It's basically what she charged plus shipping. Um, and I never heard back. Not even a F you, we don't, you know, I told you we didn't want to sell to you anymore or let's reconsider and all that. And I thought, gosh, so I sold $1,000 wholesale for product in two weeks and she doesn't want to keep it going. And her, her wording was, I posted it in the group, was um, something about, Amazon's uh, not where we see our products. You know, it's like, okay. So let's go back in a couple of years and see if she's still in business, you know? Exactly. And the thing about it is, is manufacturers, I think they are a little bit naive sometimes about how their products are going to end up on Amazon. Just because you say, I'm not going to sell this on Amazon, there's a lot of technicalities that they have to get their, you know, they have to do things to get their brand registered and or whatever it is to keep other people from selling it. But there are not that many companies out there with the resources to do like Gillette does and um, I don't know, Louis Vuitton and all these places, these brands that you cannot sell on Amazon. But I, what, I think what a lot of people do, and I did this as a retailer, I would buy things for my store that I knew would sell on Amazon, I just put them on Amazon. And uh, I think that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and if if these companies don't think that happens, then they're, you know, a bit naive, especially these small mom and pop companies that don't have the money to block other sellers in the way like Gillette, Dunkin' Donuts, Oral-B, and those companies have done, you know. You know that there's money paid to get that blocked on Amazon kind of stuff, you know? Sure. So, okay, Deborah has a question. If they I have a great product, with... go ahead. If somebody has a great product, it's going to end up on Amazon. <laughs> so yep. they, they might as well just 
you know, go with it from the beginning and, and enjoy the ride. Yeah, and the fact is that if she'd have looked at these listings, these were beautiful listings. I mean, it showed her product really, really well. Wouldn't she rather have that than somebody take a, a, a lay it on the carpet and take a picture of it and put it up that way, you know? Or, uh, or I, I, well, I, going think to, I think that the manufacturers think that if their product goes on, on Amazon, it's going to be a race to the bottom and it's going to hurt the small retailer. But that, I mean, it does happen on Amazon still, but I sell products on Amazon for, you know, you typically keystone in a retail store. But, mm-hmm. but on Amazon, I can often sell things for, even though I bought from a wholesale, in a wholesale situation for um, three times what I paid for it just because of the convenience of Amazon. And it's not that, it's not that uh, oh, Amazon's the cheapest anymore. Amazon's the most convenient. And exactly. so you can sell things for more than, that's why somebody will pay twelve ninety nine for a box of Special K when they can, you know, go to the store and buy it for two ninety nine. It's not about that. It's about the convenience of it. That's right, because not all of us have, you know, Targets and Walmarts and all that kind of stuff around, you know. I mean, other than groceries, and in fact, um, excluding some groceries, I buy very little in Jackson, you know. I mean, because there's not a selection. Like, I wanted mango chutney. Not a difficult item, right? It's not, like, totally bizarre. Um, I had to order it from Amazon. So I got six of them um, prime shipped from Amazon because I can't find it here, you know. It's, um, so anyway, I have a question from um, um, in the chat room. Do you have any advice on working directly with small manufacturers who do not use reps? And it's a specific question. So I think that means um, anything specific you need to ask small manufacturers about purchasing your products? Well, I, w- I would definitely be honest with them about what I'm going to do with their products. I, I mean, there has been there have been times in my um, online life where I haven't been as straightforward as I should have been about where I was selling the product. And primarily it was eBay, and that that was that's still a little bit harder for some people than Amazon. But if it's a small manufacturer and you, you just want to be honest with them about what you're doing. And maybe you'll have to educate them a little about how you, their product can be sold Amazon but doesn't have to be sold by Amazon, meaning you can be that person who takes all the burden off of them in dealing with the getting the product there and all that kind of stuff. Um, and educate them that you can take that burden off of them. So they can do, and I like to use the phrase, they can do what they do best, which is design and manufacture products instead of dealing with Amazon's whole thing. And I I would also, in dealing with small manufacturers, find out if they sell on Amazon because you don't want to be competing with the manufacturer. That's a battle you'll never win. I agree a thousand percent on that one. Um, That's one that is I have very few black and white rules about it, but that's one of them for me, that if the, the manufacturer is selling, and I, I change it to FBA, if they're selling merchant fulfilled, um, I'm kind of okay if I can uh-huh. sneak in there and only get the FBA part. Um, 
And yes, small manufacturers and exclusives, that's the best place to approach for an exclusive. Um, And that's where you use that, you know, I will take all the the hard work of selling on Amazon away from you so you can do what you do best. You design and manufacture these products, you leave the rest to me. And here's why it's best for you to choose me as your exclusive Amazon seller. And then you can elaborate um, on that. There's a whole chapter in the book um, about um, asking for exclusives and things like that. And I do have kind of a little segue to that. Ron was talking about... um, the photo um, seminar since he's he is like you would not believe what he's doing to do this thing it's like I sometimes have to calm him down no we don't need six cameras the today show doesn't even use six cameras you know <laughs> um, they only use three so I would say three is as much as you need um, if he is thinking about doing a video seminar on negotiating with reps and um, manufacturers, including asking for exclusives. So if you guys are interested in that, um, put it in the chat so I can tell him what kind of um, feedback there is because that is that is what he's um, um, really good at. Well, you'll get his accent a lot. Um, Ron's from England, um, Carrie, if you didn't know. So he has a, he needs a really nice voice. He has one of those like um, BBC announcer kind of perfect voices, you know. So, so that's what he's thinking about doing. If you guys are interested in that one, it would probably, be, you know, maybe one or two cameras, but it would be some role playing and just some question and answers about talking with with negotiating these things, especially exclusives. He's done really well getting the exclusives. Um, so, um, if there's, let me give the chat room a minute or two for more questions. Um, I think this has been really, really useful. Um, this hopefully will kick some people in the rear to start contacting those reps um, and um, and get more details about them and to work with them. So any other questions in the chat room? If not, I'm going to let you all head on out. Um, we have a Thirsting for Profit podcast starting in an hour. Um, same talk shoe location, different caller ID number. And I really, really, really want to thank Carrie for jumping in. I mean, she joined the group and like two hours later asking her to be on the show because sales reps are a really important thing. And who knows more than a former sales rep who now sells retail, right? <laughs> so Carrie, thank you for taking the time. I don't know if she's still there. Oh, she. Oh, hold on. Uh, she looks like Carrie. Is that you, or is that you, Carrie? Because we've lost two people. Charlene. Named... Yeah. Okay. You had to dial I, in again. I, I had to dial in again, but I'm. Okay. I was happy to participate, and I would be happy to do it again if I can be helpful to anybody. Uh, I'm going to take you up on that definitely, because you're you um you have a wealth of knowledge and you make it like really easy to, to digest too. So, um, and hopefully I'm going to be down in Salt Lake in a couple months. We'll be able to meet in person. So that's great. Um, get all the Salt Lake people. So thanks very much everybody for, um, for joining in. And um, Carrie, would you be willing to answer any questions in the group if they have them about sales reps? Can I kind of put you on the spot? Absolutely. I would be happy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you on the 11th of September. 
um, for the first of the photography seminars. You don't want to miss this. It will be recorded, but if you're live, you have the chance to ask questions and like have the camera moved so you can see things in detail when you're there so you can get all the information you need. So remember that, September 11th. So we'll talk to you all later. Have a great week and sell lots. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.